Hello everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Fit Till Freddy. As always, I am your host Tudor, and thank you for joining me each Wednesday to learn about cognitive biases and how to overcome them. Or at least that is the usual topic. For this episode, however, I was thinking of doing something completely different from our usual discussions and talking a bit more detail about my vacation and what I learned, dietarily speaking, from it. I will start with the usual weekly weight loss progress. This week I weigh 119.9 kilograms, which is 0.3 kilograms more than the last weigh-in three weeks ago. Given I was on vacation and had to contend with foreign cuisine, a general relaxation of my dietary rules, and a chaotic schedule, I'm not very upset with this. Obviously, some weight loss would have been nice, don't get me wrong, but sometimes you need to accept that disruptions to your routine are prime causes in throwing away any carefully laid long-term plans into disarray. But I thought, let's see what we can learn from my escapade and what are some prime do's and don'ts when it comes to eating while on a holiday. Well, first off, I think breakfast is a major impacting factor. In my case, I chose to eat a decent breakfast as I planned to not eat anything else until dinner, spending most of the day doing various activities, be it hiking, visiting cities, snorkeling in the sea, or lounging on the beach, listening to podcasts. But many breakfast foods can be highly misleading. For example, my daily staple would be two boiled eggs, which isn't too bad at a glance, but they're the type of food that can't really be consumed on its own, so I would always pair them with something. On some mornings, that something would be just a few slices of ham, but oftentimes it would also include some cheese, some bread, maybe even some pate or salmon, which started to rack up the calories. On some occasions, I even had some fried sausages with the eggs, which really racked the calorie count. Finally, I would also eat a fruit yogurt or rice dessert, mostly because we had brought those in ample supply in our freezer pack, and I felt bad if I hadn't taken care of them. So you can see that while my initial intention of having a hearty breakfast, whilst noble in principle, ended up compensating too much for the lack of lunch. The next big factor was the availability. Normally, I'm not very keen on street food, but since the pandemic has started, I haven't really gone out around town during the summer as I would usually do. Because of this, I was of course very tempted to try foods I hadn't had in a long time, such as ice cream, pancakes, fries, and the like. These, of course, ended up being midday snacks that weren't planned, and contributed even more to the overloaded daily calorie intake. Perhaps the final nail in the coffin was the fact almost all dinners were restaurant meals. This was a practical limitation, as taking the time to cook our own meals each day would have sacrificed too much time that was spent enjoying the holiday. So I don't regret eating out. I know it was the best decision at the time, but I don't think I am making a scientific breakthrough by stating that restaurant meals are 
highly caloric when compared to their homemade variants. For example, one evening at a nice restaurant had a finely roasted slice of pork with french fries and some vegetables. Sounds okay, right? Well, the meat had an enormous cube of butter on it that you were supposed to spread evenly on the meat. Apparently it was a local tradition. That butter alone is probably around 300 to 400 calories by itself. The fries are obviously soaked on some cooking oil, most likely palm tree oil, and even the poor vegetables are sautéed with, you guessed it, butter. So a basic dish in any household has 750 calories more when served at a restaurant in the added fats alone. Also, you will have some drinks with your meal, which depending on your choice will be 200 to 400 calories, a dessert, which is another 500 calories, and a soup, which if you're lucky only has 200 calories, but can again rise to 500 calories if you factor in the bread as well. This means eating out is a very diet adverse experience unless you go for a very narrow set of dishes which are healthier which I admittedly did not, as I made the conscious decision to enjoy my vacation to its fullest without worrying too much about my diet, as it was my only long-term absence from my job for this year. Was this the best decision? Given my current weight versus my weight before the holiday, of course not, but these things are always easier to see when you have the benefit of hindsight. So I hope you had something to learn from my personal experience, but in the tradition of the previous episodes, I feel it wouldn't be proper to end the show without at least giving you some tips on what you should do during a vacation if you don't want to mimic my experience. First off, always keep plenty of water on you and try to drink it regularly. I do this, for example, when I am on hiking trails and it is a godsend. Why? Well, the heat combined with the effort will make you feel thirsty often and keeping hydrated will also stave off any hunger pangs you might be having. Most of the times when we feel hungry, we are in fact dehydrated and misinterpreting it as hunger, tricking ourselves into eating when we don't have to. The real tip here is to take this habit that, like me, you are aware of when going in the woods or up mountains and applying it when going for a walk on the seashore as well. After all, no other place makes us sweat more than the beach. So the next time you are tempted to buy a soda or an ice cream, reach out for your water bottle instead and it will make a real difference in the long run. Another thing to try is to avoid sauces and dressing whenever possible. As they are packed with fat, they will often be the largest caloric contributor to a meal by far, especially when the base dish was healthy to begin with, like a salad. Even when eating at a restaurant, you'll often receive sauces in a bowl at the side, and if this is not the case or you are unsure, you can always specify that you do not want the dressing when ordering the dish. You might be tempted to use the sauce, after all, you already paid for it, and it complements the dish so well, but just like using too much salt, using all these sauces is an acquired taste, one we can adjust in the other direction as well. Another similar tip would be to choose cooked or grilled over fried and battered whenever possible. A grilled fish or chicken breast 
will be just as healthy at the restaurant as it is at home, but you can bet their fried and battered variants will be much more calorically dense than their grilled variants. Likewise, steamed rice with vegetables will beat french fries, and light fruit dessert will be the safer option instead of cream-heavy pastries. Something else to keep in mind is that often restaurant portions are way too big for the average individual or below, so this is a case where sharing is indeed caring, as you can choose to order one dish and share it with your holiday companion. This works especially well with desserts, since you might often have the craving for something sweet at the end of a meal, but not really have the stomach for a full portion. If your table friend is like-minded, they will relish the opportunity to enjoy dessert as well. Just make sure to order two sets of cutleries for the dessert if you don't want to share the teaspoon as well. One thing that I also noticed really affected my eating behavior is sleep. Whilst intuitively you might not think there is any direct link between sleep and caloric intake, there have been plenty of studies that have shown that on average people eat around 400 calories more than usual in the days after suffering partial sleep deprivation. A fancy term to denote you didn't sleep enough. The reasons behind this are diverse, but mainly when you are groggy from lack of sleep, your frontal cortex, or the most recent area of the brain, is the most impacted. This is the area that is responsible for all the high-minded actions that we commonly associate with humans, such as long-term planning, discipline, and other traits that require more abstract thinking. When this area is sleepy, all of your willpower in maintaining a diet, especially on holiday, is affected massively. This means lapses in judgment, cravings, and temptations will be more likely to circumvent whatever system you have in place that keeps you on track with your diet. For me, the first few nights in a new place are always harder regardless of how good the accommodation is, as I'm too used to my bed at home. So in my case at least, there is no quick and easy fix for this issue, but as always, knowing is half the battle, and being aware of this issue can help remedy the dietary side effects of sleep deprivation. If, like me, you also spend a lot of time on your phone right before going to bed, you might also be fooling your body in believing it is still day making falling asleep that much harder. Instead, try listening to music or podcasts when going to bed for that perfect sleep playlist. To conclude, thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you found my holiday dieting rant at least somewhat amusing and maybe even educational in some small measure. As always, if you want to leave feedback on today's episode, you can find the email address in the episode description. There will, you will also find the links to the podcast Twitter and Facebook, which you can follow to find out when the newest episode is released, as well as the show's subreddit where you can discuss with others your opinions on the subject. Hope you all have a lovely week, and I'll see you next time. Cheers!